Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Equality in Business podcast. Our podcast creates awareness about equality in the business world by actively engaging students about relevant topics in a professional manner. My name is Raquel Souza and I am a master student at Catholica Business School in Lisbon and part of the partner management team at Equality in Business. In this episode, we will be exploring how a company can raise awareness and actively promote equality, focusing on gender equality in leadership roles and partner positions. We will also discuss the importance of leaders' actions, the role of men, the topic of motherhood, and how different needs have to be taken into consideration when creating a healthier business environment. Today, we will focus on the example of PwC to explore the company's philosophy and practices regarding this topic and on how the pandemic we are living can create a volatile environment that creates a number of challenges. Our guest today will explain to us how to cope with it and still be able to promote equality in an organizational environment. I am really excited to introduce to you Maria Antonia Torres, who is M&A Tech's lead partner and diversity leader at PwC. A very warm welcome to you, Maria Antonia Torres, and thank you for being here with us today. Hello. Before getting into today's topic, we'll start with our little ritual. At the end of each podcast episode, we'll let our guest ask a question to our next guest. In our last episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with Daniela Redding about hackathons and how to have an active role as a student. The question she left for you was, what moment would you see as a milestone, a decision taken or an opportunity that led you to where you are right now? Hello, hello. First of all, um, I would like to thank you for the invitation to you, Raquel, and to the Equality in Business Club. Uh, it is um, a true pl pleasure to be here speaking to you today. I am a Catholic alumni, actually several times alumni, as I have made my, my law and my management degree in Catholica, then my MBA, then um, I actually did the, the advanced management program that Catholica has with uh, Kellogg in Chicago. So, yeah. and between then, between that, several things. So it's uh, it's home for me. Uh, thank you for for allowing me to speak uh, with you. It's a pleasure. So, getting to your question, well, I think that in my case, at least, I, I, I'm not sure if there was um, just one single milestone relevant in my career. I can think of two or even three moments, at least, that you know that had relevance uh, in my in my career. But actually, I think they have something in common, which is the fact that um, somehow I, I put myself um, or accepted to be out of my comfort zone. You know, I, as 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 English say, I have decided to go the route less traveled uh, or just jumped into something. Uh, in which I was not an expert. So, of course, this is um, this is my reflection now. Looking back, I was not necessarily conscious at the time when the decisions were taken uh, that it would be so important. But, for instance, uh, to give you an example, when when I finished my law degree, I decided to do management, and uh, it was actually quite strange for my parents and my colleagues 25 years ago, because everyone thought that uh, you know I was going to be a judge or or a lawyer, and that was the expectation. And um, I said, no, I, I want to do management. And after that, um, when I was thinking of where should I start uh, after I finished the management, uh, when I was thinking where should I start my, my, my work life, I decided to look for a very financial position. Uh, and, um, and that was also quite awkward for my colleagues as uh, my, well, my friends were mostly um, in law, and lawyers and judges at that point, they say, why, why, why would you want to, to go that way? And the reason was I wanted to start it uh, where I would feel less comfortable. And the logic was, uh, well, I will always be seen a bit of uh, as a lawyer or because I did the law degree first. So I want to start um, where I'm sure that I will get, I will, you know, get over all that um, discomfort uh, with uh, with more financial or management aspects, and just started uh, like that. I actually started in an investment bank. Uh, so later on, uh, when I started the deal tax practice in PwC, I think it was also uh, a very a very important moment because 
at that time, actually, I was at home. I, I had my first daughter. And um, I was asked if I wanted to start this uh, deal stacks practice. And uh, honestly, <laughs> when I was asked that, uh, I thought, uh, what am, am I getting into for 30 seconds? Because I, I really I had no experience in the area. It's true. I, I did not have at all experience in the area. So, But after I thought, oh, my God, uh, for 30 seconds, the answer came out immediately, yes. I thought, okay. I, I'm a manager. I was I was promoted when I was in maternity leave, <laughs> actually twice, <laughs> twice. Um, and then uh, so I thought, okay, I, I need to start my 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 business. It's the moment when you have your own uh, number of clients. So I said I have to start something. I have to do something. Being a manager, so I will accept and I will know. I will get to know what I need to know. And so uh, let let's see how it goes. And I. Honestly, I think we well we could do a whole podcast around this, but it's very important to grab the opportunities. And uh, for human, yeah. for women, I think it is even more relevant because you know going up, um, sometimes there may be less opportunities, and if you lose some of the opportunities that um, that go your way, it's possible um, that that will limit your career. So you know, anyway, it's valid for all. I, I think uh, it's very important in anyone's career. To, to, to have the courage to, to grab the opportunities. Yes, that's really interesting. Actually, I believe a lot of people don't like the idea of going out of their comfort zone because sometimes doing always the same, it just feels comfortable, right? It's a routine and people usually like routines. So I really like your advice uh, of going out of your comfort zone. Uh, and now moving into today's topic, we know that you have been promoting and working towards the achievement of gender equality in the workplace for several years now. Uh, to start in the best way possible, could you share with us some information about women in leadership, such as statistics and numbers, so we understand the current situation a little bit better? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, you, you, we should always look at facts, numbers, right? Yeah, one thing that really worries me in our society today is that more than ever people just you know just jump into strongly agreeing with something or strongly disagreeing with something without checking the facts uh, you know without making sure that they are taking their position based on true facts reality science if that is the case so we meaning well the people that had the great opportunity to study to experience to read to travel to learn I think we do have the great responsibility of not doing so, you know, not contributing to all this mess. So, yes, when people tell me, oh, you know, gender diversity is not an issue anymore. I think that's a, that's all thing. It's solved. I always say, OK, let's just look at the numbers. And um, the reality of the numbers are, I, you know, for instance, uh, if we look at our uh, listed companies in Portugal, Civint companies, you have 20% yeah. of the board members are women. And as you may understand, we, we do not have many listed companies in Portugal. So this is actually a few, a few women, not, not, many, not many people. So 20%. And you know that we have 20% because we have a legislation uh, in the, for the last two years that demands that they have 33%. Okay. It was because of the legislation demanding 33%, demanding that 33% of the board of the listed companies are women that we got to this 20. So uh, the, the C20 companies, they don't seem to be able to, to comply with the law. Okay, so as of today, and this is September, September numbers, we only have 20% of the, we only have 20% of, of the board members uh, being women. So... In the listed companies, again, Psyvint, we have one woman CEO, right? Claudia Asvil. That's it. No more. If we look at, okay, let's uh, boards in general. Let's look at boards in general. If we look at non-listed companies, we have the, the well, the, the very variable number of 16.2%. So if you look, and please do, if you read the gender gap report of the World Economic Forum, from 2020, you have the numbers there for all the countries, including Portugal. So Portugal has, and we compare very poorly with many other countries. So Portugal has in 
companies, non-listed companies, 16.2% of women in the board. Okay, and why? Because there is no legislation to comply with. Okay, so um, for non-listed companies, you don't have a you don't have a percentage that you have to comply with. So it's even worse than in the C20 uh, companies. Uh, if we go, you know, if we go and look below the board level, uh, if you go below C level and you look to senior and middle management positions, even middle management positions, we are talking about 30%, 3-0, okay? We are talking about just only 30% of the senior and middle management positions in Portugal are occupied by women, okay? By a woman. So, uh, and this uh, more statistics that I, I think you need to, to keep in mind. One more, um, salary gap, okay? And the salary gap in Portugal, and please go to uh, the Eurostat. Uh, Eurostat has a very important um, survey on labor, on labor, and um, that covers the 28 countries of the union. And if you look to, to Eurostat last Eurostat report, you will find that there is a salary gap in Portugal of 16.2%, meaning that in average, men uh, have salaries uh, higher in 16.2% than women. Okay. And if you look, if you look at two management positions, if we just look at management positions, this salary gap increases to 30%, okay? So if you look at the higher top positions in organizations, men earn more 30% in, in average than, than women. And so it's, uh, it's interesting to look at the numbers and um, as, a, as any scientist, uh, in this case, a social scientist, we, we need to, to, to make some hypothesis, right? We need to, so why, why? We need to understand why is this the picture that we have in 2020 in Portugal. And so we could think, okay, maybe an educational gap, maybe we have less women educated than men. That could explain, right? So let's start exactly on the learning point. So in the last 20, 21, in the last 21 years, every single year of those 31, in all the Portuguese universities, more women graduated than men, okay? Not all the faculties, yeah. not all the faculties. So imagine in Porto University, you may have engineering in which in, in some of these years, um, there were more men than women. But if you look just as universities in Portugal as a whole, in all the 31 years, every single year, we have graduated more women than men in this country, okay? So you would think that 30 years would be enough for someone to get to a top position, right? In companies, in universities, in the government. Uh, you know, where do you want to be in 30 years' time? But that's not the case. That is actually not the case. So and it's, if you look at the information in Instituto Nacional de Estatística, INE, they say that actually we have in Portugal 34.2% of employed women with a degree and just 20.5% of men. So uh, besides the fact that the universities are, are in 31 years putting more women with degrees in the, in the workplace than men, if we look at, at, at the moment, just cut off in this moment, we have 34% of employed women with a degree and just 20.5% of men, okay? So it is not clearly an indicational gap. It is not that. So we could think, okay, so it can be uh, an employment. Uh, it can be the result of a low employment rate of women. We can say, okay, maybe we don't have enough women in the workplace. So they cannot be, they can, we don't have enough women working. Therefore, we don't have enough women in these higher positions. But that's not the case also because Eurostat in the report that I mentioned to you, they say that Portugal has 67% of women employment, which is actually a rate that is higher than most of the EU countries, okay? And it, it is clearly above the EU average. So it's not the case that we don't have 
women, enough women in the marketplace to in the workplace to 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 promote. So um, you know, another hypothesis could be, and what about culture? What about culture? In some countries, um, the culture society does not accept that women work. It could be the case, but it's not clearly the case. In Portugal, we had always a very significant rate of women employment, which started, uh, I don't know if you, if you are aware of this, but it started growing significantly during the colonial war, as many men were, uh, well, were at war uh, overseas. So women, they had to feed their families and they started working. And after that, we always stayed with very high rates. Of, of women employment. So from a financial point of view, uh, and just coming to, to, to these later, uh, latest years, the fact is that, as you know, and I believe that you all know that, a few families in Portugal can actually function with a single salary, okay? So um, we are just used to it, to the fact that mother and father, they, they, they work, right? They work because it's, uh, it's needed. And this is the reality of most of the family. So we do have a lot, uh, a culture that accepts uh, with no issues the fact that women work. So uh, this is not the case. Uh, I'm, a, I'm quite, I'm quite a, a good scientist. So I still have some more uh, hypotheses. So um, maybe it is the fact, as it happens, for instance, in uh, some, some countries in Europe, maybe it's the case that women work mostly part-time and uh, a part-time work affect the fact that they, well, affect their careers, that they may affect the, the progression. Uh, could it be the case? But also no, because same report, uh, we have in Portugal a very, very low part-time work rate, actually uh, for women and for men. We don't have, uh, we don't have uh, a culture of working part-time because we cannot afford it, probably. So um, only 10% of the women in Portugal uh, work part-time. So this is not also the case. And you, you know, you know, people that you know, most of the people that you know, they don't work part-time, right? It's, it's not, yes. not a common situation. Yes. Okay, so coming to kids, coming to kids. Could, could it be the case that parental public policies, so the, 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 the policies, the public policies that regulate um, parental leave when, when, uh, when, when we have children, could that be affecting the careers? And, uh, you know, not really. Uh, if you check again the Eurostat uh, the report, which is called Labor Force Survey, as I said, you will find that Portugal has the higher rate, the higher employment rate of the 28 countries uh, in case of women uh, that has at the age between 20 and 49 years old with young children up to six, okay? We have 82%, actually plus than 82% of the women that have children up to six years old, they work, okay? And this is not, this is not a high rate. This is the higher rate of all the countries in, uh, in European Union. Therefore, uh, whatever is the, the problem, this is not it. So our mothers of young children, they continue to work when they have the children. So this is not, this is not the case. And so, you know, uh, this is the picture I would like you to keep in mind. And at this point of the podcast, when you are listening to it, please just go back and listen to this again, okay? Just, just go through these statistics that I have just um, told you because... Uh, if I could choose for you to have a takeout of this uh, conversation, this would be it. Because I, I still, this is public information, but I still find a lot of people that looking at this, uh, well, without looking, of course, but um, without knowing, um, just say there is not an issue around gender diversity. And yeah, clearly, we have an issue. Actually, I did math before my master's, so I really believe in the power of numbers. While you were talking, I was writing down the numbers, as I believe we understand better numbers uh, when we see them written down, and it's really impressive what you just described. I knew there, there was a difference, 
but I had no idea that it was so big. Uh, so please, everyone, do what Maria said. Go back, write down the numbers, understand better the situation. Uh, yeah, but basically what you just described shows that there is still a considerable disparity in the matter. Apart from the social aspect, why is it important from a business perspective to bridge this gap? It's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent question. So, and some a question that we actually need to, to be able to, to answer. I, I guess that all of you um, or most of you are going to, to well, to have a, a career in business. And this is quite important. From a business perspective, we need diversity. Okay, we need diversity. And we need today more than ever. Okay, the growing complexity around us and, uh, and the consequent reduction of our capacity to, to anticipate the future, you know, the future these days means that um, what is going to happen next week. I don't know if you, if you, have, if you have that present, but um, for, for companies around the world uh, today, the future is next week because we actually don't know what is going to happen. Okay, so all this complexity, all this, uh, we are not used to, to not being able to anticipate the future. Okay, so it makes absolutely indispensable in our organization that you get all the diversity of thought, all the diversity of experience, of knowledge, of approach, of skills, neurodiversity. Okay, we need extroverts and we need introverts. Okay that you can get. You need all that you, all diversity that you can get. If you do not get it, you will be clearly reducing your capacity to decide, okay? You will be reducing the quality of your decisions. You will be, you know, reducing your capacity to identify trends that are fundamental for the business, okay? And of course, uh, there is a war there is a war for talent that will grow as complexity grows, as tech grows. Uh, we will need more and more talent, but all the companies around the world, all of them need more talent. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's quite complex. For instance, in Portugal, we, we had recently a lot of tech companies, very, you know, very sexy tech companies coming to Portugal. And there is quite a war on, on people with technical uh, techno technological to say uh, better uh, background okay so what what all of this mean and I think I, I, I struggle to understand why people don't understand so if you have a board room with white and it could be woman for this for this matter but we just white uh, 55 60 years old men with a degree, in Catolica, okay, that have studied and lived in Portugal, okay, you know, it's the tendency, the tendency, and and specifically if they have if they got there without any any uh, any differences, uh, you know, at the level of neurodiversity, they are quite similar, which is which is the common situation these days. So if you have a board like this, it will actually be quite quite possible you know it's really possible that facing the problem everyone will have probably the same approach okay and so i i for me this is uh, i even struggle a bit to explain because it's, it's so it's quite clear right because you know if you look at your linkedin network if you look at your group of friends some people do have a lot of diversity in their groups. I'm not saying that's not the case, but generally that's not the case. And if you don't have this kind of diversity, if we have a problem, everyone will think this is the solution and the solution will be very similar. So we need, we need diversity. And when we talk about diversity, very simply, we cannot afford to keep 50% of the population, women I mean, outside of the equation, right? So when we look at the companies and women are not there, not at the board, not at management, okay, you are just keeping outside 50% uh, of the population. So that's not, that's not possible. That's not sustainable. And Raquel, just, um, just picking up 
of a point in your question that you 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 were not uh, including, but I, I need to I need to include. It is besides you know you you cannot anymore think of business separately from society. Okay, that is over and out. Yeah, it is past. That's past. If you are looking to have a sustainable organization today and you want to have it for many years, you will have to not just care about your shareholders as we did in the past. But you need to start thinking about very carefully about how your business impacts stakeholders, how your business creates value for the stakeholders. Okay, on a societal perspective, and I, I will not, I will not detail on this. But uh, if you want, uh, if you want to check Google, uh, and if you put in Google, well, my name, Maria Antonia Torres, and also Green Savers, there was an article I wrote in. Uh, it was. 2015, in 15, uh, but it's still very updated. It is about more of the so the social aspect and the sustainability aspect of diversity. But I think it, it's it's worthwhile to to read it. Thank you very much for your insights. Uh, please, everyone, check it. Actually, at Catolica, uh, usually when forming groups, we are asked to have people from different nationalities and gender uh, in the same group. I think that's excellent as it promotes more diversity inside the groups. Uh, now uh, we would like to focus on the role that the management team and the leaders play in order to achieve the common goal of equality. What should we expect from our leaders? Another very good question because you know it, it's um, the leaders uh, and the management teams uh, they they have of course uh, a fundamental role. Okay. If you want women to, to have the same opportunities as men, uh, it is fundamental that those who decide today understand exactly what we are discussing here, right? If they never heard of it, if they never heard of it, or if they never thought of it, uh, they will not act upon it, okay? So, for instance, if they, don't, if, if they never actually looked at the numbers that we have discussed here today, they probably would think, um, well, it's not an issue. Most of them do, actually. So they think, oh, this is not an issue. And if it is not an issue, it's not something that I should worry about, okay? So maybe you have someone that has naturally a diverse approach to, to, to management, but looking at the statistics, as you see, around the world, um, they are not many, right? So if there were many people that are naturally, yeah. uh, that has that natural gift, we would have more women um, in, in top positions, and we don't. So... First point, it is very important to continue discussing this issue, okay? It is very important to inform, to discuss and to inform. And again, inform, looking not because you think that there is not an issue or just because you think there is an issue, but these discussions, they need to, to be based on facts. And so, for instance, I, I do believe that the business universities have a very important role to play in this because they, they actually can assess uh, leaderships, right? They can assess C-levels and they, can, they do it uh, in terms, for instance, of training. They do it in a position in which, you know, leaders come to, to the universities to, to learn, to understand the trend, to understand what's going on, uh, to understand what the people that study, uh, that investigate, what they think that will come. And so I do think that uh, business uh, universities, uh, you know, can do more and should do more and can do a lot uh, on this topic, okay? Advisors also, you know, uh, and I, I'm talking about PwC. I, I, we, we have already started that route, but I think we have such a huge number of clients around the world. And uh, we, we have today as our mission to make sure that besides... Um, you know, our, uh, our technical stuff, besides talking about assurance, talking about taxes, talking about tech, talking about, about um, strategy. We, we also talk about these trends that are, these trends and these issues that are actually essential for, for the society and for the world we live in. You know, the, the environmental issues, uh, also diversity issues. So we need to, we need to talk about that. And, Today, that's why whenever we have whenever we have a diversity program or uh, within the within the organizations or a diversity club as you have 
or a, a diversity event, whatever, we need to make sure that we get men involved, okay? Uh, and uh, because if we if we are talking about about diversity, uh, when I said we don't want to leave fifty percent of the population outside the equation, we don't want to leave neither part of the 50% outside, right? So we want to, this is an issue for men and women. So we want everyone involved. And um, this is quite, quite, uh, quite relevant and important. We need everyone to understand this is a humanity issue. So we need to discuss it all together. And also uh, on a more practical fashion, if we concluded that in general in Portugal, non-listed companies, you have only 16% of, of women in board, who is decide and only 30% of women in middle management positions, who is deciding on the careers? Who is men, right? Mostly men. The decisions are being taken mostly by men. So it's not, it's not a question of if, it's a question of need. You need to actually have men involved because, um, you know, because it is a humanity issue and because from a practical point of view, they are taking the decision. So they need to understand what's going on. Yes, that is true. Well said. Uh, there are still a lot of stereotypes associated with women in leadership positions. Actually, studies show that women are developed in male-dominated environments, although they have proven to be equally effective leaders. Moreover, introducing the concept of transformational leadership, studies even point out that women's leadership tends to be more transformational than men's. Which stereotypes, according to your experience, are still present in organizations nowadays? And why do you think that still happens? And how can it be countered? It, it, it is still, first of all, it is important that we recognize that stereotypes are there. Okay, and the problem with stereotypes is uh, they are mostly unconscious. Okay, and this is something that uh, when we are talking about uh, diversity issues or problems, we need to be aware of. Okay, because you know, it in a way it's easier when you you when you are discussing or when you are working uh, with people that have a conscious stereotype, okay? A conscious bias, as I usually, um, I'm more used to call it, okay? It is more easy because if you know that someone uh, has an unconscious bias toward women or toward uh, people that has kids or toward people that love to go to gym every day or whatever the situation is, if you have, uh, if you know, it's easier for you and it's easier for the person that is leading you uh, to to you know to overcome it the problem with unconscious bias is that uh, when we are talking and working with civilized persons which is you know uh, which is more eventually the most common situation uh, with educated and civilized persons actually when we are talking to to them on a conscious level they they will tell you I, I'm not biased towards women or I'm not okay on a and they are not lying they are not probably lying okay on a conscious uh, level they have been educated at, and they have uh, you know they they have they ha they are at the point that they don't think there should there should not be women working or that the ladies that work in their team are less, um, are, are not as good as men, or, you know, th that's not a conscious uh, approach. That's not common. I, I see that uh, less and less often. So the problem with stereotypes is that they normally come from unconscious bias, okay? It has to do with very, a lot of things that um, we have registered on an unconscious level uh, that came from our education at home, very, very, very important, very important. Uh, that came from other experiences that we had, but they, they from movies that we see, from the toys which we play with, and they, 
they are not relevant anymore. It looks like on our conscious level, they are not relevant anymore, but they are still there. So sorry for the long for the long approach, but this is really important, okay? Because uh, it, it's um, it's not, you, you, if you think, okay, uh, in the company I work with, they are all very educated and civilized, so I will not find any kind of stereotypes. But the stereotypes are there and they come from the unconscious bias, okay? PwC has done a very interesting study with a university, which is actually called unconscious bias, and it is um, it is a kind of a test that you can do, okay? And even even the more diverse of us, you find that you do. Everyone has some bias, okay? Everyone has. So uh, apart from thinking, or better than thinking that I I don't have bias, it is quite important that you recognize that you do, so you can act upon it, okay? So. Um, what kind of stereotypes you still find you still find in uh, in um, in in the companies? Very common. One is women are more emotional. Okay, this is very typical. Very typical. It's still there. It's um, it's very it's it, it's the one it's one of which I really uh, <laughs> uh, stress with. But uh, you know, it's women are emotional, and what happens and still happens is that if a man if you are in a board meeting, if a man speaks higher, it's a very assertive person, okay? Uh, with a higher voice, it's a very assertive person. If, uh, if a woman speaks with a higher voice, it's emotional. And this, 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 um, this emotional aspect uh, has, a little, has little to do with uh, what women are saying. They, she could be even talking about the balance sheet or, or something like that, very financial, very objective, very, uh, you know. But if the voice is high, it is possible that some of the men present will say, oh, she's very emotional. It's, it, this is quite common. And I asked to do, again, education at home. Oh, another thing that it's, um, it's sometimes a factor is your experience with your mother. If you have a mother, being a man, if you have a mother that have worked or not, um, it's very important. Or if you have a wife that was at home taking care of the kids, or if your wife has actually a career, okay? Everything counts. So um, these kind of stereotypes are, are still, are still actually, actually common. Another thing is that uh, in organizations, men tend to think that when uh, a woman has a kid, uh, they will not, uh, they will not uh, make um, the children, oh, sorry, the career as a priority anymore. And so the children will take all our <laughs> space, mind space, okay, head space uh, as the app. So that, that the children will take our, uh, or, or our head space and there will be no space anymore in our lives for for career and um, again it's very important that we think why is that and, and i think it is because probably some of the men they wanted um, their wives to, to stay at home looking at the cre even if they didn't but you know it's a kind of a very a very um uh, survival kind of aspect or a, it's, a, it's a very ancient thing so men they tend to probably think that it's very good that uh, mothers would stay at home taking care of the kids to make sure that the species survives. So it's a very ancient thing that are in our DNA, but it's not neither anymore, as we know, but still first thing they think, okay, if this person is going, to, this woman is going to have a kid, you know, she will not have any more time for, for the careers. And sometimes uh, they don't even ask. So it's a question of, they say, oh, no, no, I'm not asking this to her. I will ask this to Joaquin because she had a kid and she she needs to focus on another stuff. Sometimes it is not even that done on a, you know, on a, the intention is, a, well, could be even a good intention if I understand, if you understand what I'm saying. But it's because or of very ancient and very unconscious ways of, of looking at, um, at at species, at life, at uh, at women. So yes, uh, it is quite important that you know 
that you will still find, and probably for many years, you will still find stereotypes in, in relating to this. Yeah, uh, actually, I've, I believe that my generation and uh, people that are now having kids have a big responsibility in uh, educating their kids in a different way, not saying that before we were people were not educated well, but in a different way, in a more inclusive way, I think it's really uh, important Absolutely. that we know that we have to do that. Uh, but we, we were talking about the topic of motherhood. Uh, but do you think that nowadays employers still consider motherhood as a factor while choosing employees? Do you think that people are left out because people, uh, employees b believe that they will yeah. uh, get pregnant or yeah. you, you, have, you have, have kids? The problem in our, you know, in the world today and uh, always, but now we... <laughs> We the globalization has good and bad things, but the problem with these situations is that uh, today we are very polarized in everything. So, what you find today, just looking at Portugal, what you find today is very good examples and really bad examples. Okay, if you if you look at uh, information from ACT, from the entity that uh, that uh, uh, inspects um, the work. Uh, you find that, unfortunately, there are many, many, many companies in Portugal that still uh, do this type of discrimination, okay? Um, it's, uh, they, they not only they do not recruit, but they send away uh, women that, that become pregnant, okay? So, unfortunately, and this is, some, this is a part of the country that we sometimes forget, even me, because I, we, we have done in PwC a, a study on 2014 on women working in Portugal. And I, I remembered I was quite, I, I was surprised because I was surprised that, uh, you know, there is, there is two realities. One reality is the reality of the company of which I'm a partner, the reality of many big groups in Portugal, uh, of the financial sector or, you know, of... Uh, universities eventually there are there are two portugals two totally different portugals and then there is um, a part of portugal in which uh, you still find a lot of discrimination i remembered that we we have interviewed some ladies um, that worked in a very specific industry a very specific sector in portugal and they although they couldn't even uh, identify themselves that they were discriminated. What was going on is that today, of course, we have a very equal legislation. So you cannot uh, have people in the same position in a company uh, being paid differently. Okay. So what they did in this industry, and it happens unfortunately in many others, is that they, although they cannot distinguish, so if they have a woman supervisor, they have to pay the same. To, to all the supervisors. What they did was these ladies, they were doing um, the more, well, the, the functions that were less paid were all women. And the supervisors, it was an industry, the supervisors, they were all men. And that this was the way they, they, would, uh, they would go get over it. This is still the case, okay? So for instance, um, during, during the, the, the beginning of the pandemic, and there was some some analysis on this aspect of motherhood, and there were uh, you know there were some people that maybe had not a, a, a proper contract uh, with the employee, and they started sending away well women generally women with kids, women that were pregnant. Okay, so this is this is unfortunately still quite common. On the other hand, you have in Portugal at the same time. You have companies, and this is already a case, I know several and several cases of women that go to the interview and say, uh, I have, okay, I love it, I love what you are offering me, but I just have to tell you something, I'm two months or three months pregnant. And on the other side of the table, uh, people say, thank you. And I'm not even talking about PwC, okay? I know many examples from different, uh, from different companies uh, in Portugal. And on the other side of the table, people say, Thank you for just letting me know, but that for me, that's that's not an issue. Uh, we want you, we, we want your experience. I think you are a fit 
a perfect fit for what we need. So thank you for that, but it, it's okay. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a two very two different uh, worlds. It's, 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 you cannot have, a, uh, you know, you, these two realities are so different, so polarized, but they, well, they, they live together these days. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, finally, this is not something that we women can do alone. We need the support of men, men with a strong sense of equality and willingness to promote it among their colleagues and peers. Uh, in what ways do you believe men can help women change this prejudice? What is their role in the promotion of equality? I will pick it up on a different way because, um, well, two questions. Uh, before, I was telling you about the fact that uh, leaders, which are mostly men, yeah, yeah. Uh, we need to get them involved for more uh, conceptual and for more practical reasons. But there is actually another way in which uh, men can help. And uh, it's, uh, you know, when, when you look at reasons why women are not um, going up in the organizations, and I, I really need to, to say this because it's a fact, it's not, if we listen uh, what I've said until now, it seems, it, it can seem that uh, organizations are the only issue, okay? And actually, it's not necessarily uh, a situation in which, um, it's only uh, the organization fault, if I can say so, because uh, you would, and it's, it, there are studies on that, even if you have an organization in which you put together all the conditions to have women promoted and going up to, to the higher levels of the organization, you will find that that will not happen. And um, this is also quite important. The problem is that Besides, uh, besides the, what is going on within the organizations, there is, um, there is a, an individual uh, approach to these matters, a more a societal approach to, to this issue that is quite impacting uh, women on, on their progression. And I, I was telling you some time ago in Portugal, you know, there is a, we are used to having women uh, working, right? It was like that from the 60s and it never changed it is true on the other hand we are also used to have these same women uh, cooking alone cleaning the home alone taking care of the kids alone uh, going to the doctor with the kids alone taking care of the clothes of everyone in the family including the husband alone uh, taking care of the larger family alone. This is also our culture still. And uh, I, was, I was curious some years ago about the fact that is this, uh, is this something that changed? So how are the young couples living these days? Okay, how are they living these days? And so in a women's day, we have done a survey uh, in PwC because our average age uh, in terms of our staff, our average age is like 25. So uh, I'm very old in PwC. I'm a very old woman in our organization. And um, the, the, the thing is that we have asked them, uh, well, how do you live? We have done interviews. How do you live with your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend? How, how is your day? And actually, when you, you were talking about a conceptual on a conceptual basis, uh, our guys, they were saying, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, my, my, my girlfriend or my wife, she has her career. She's working um, normally. She's a very bright, wonderful lady. So, uh, no, I, I, don't even, I don't even think of the fact that uh, she has a career. Of course, she has a career. And that's not, that's not an issue. Okay. But then we were asking very detailed questions. So what's going on at dinner? And what's going on at dinner back home? And what was going on in most of the houses was that um, the guys were at the sofa and the girls were cooking, okay? I was like, what? And that was the case. That was the case. And, and in, in, very, in very specific issues. And for my own surprise, and I, I'm sharing with you a personal a personal. Um, experience, uh, it was very interesting because I like this, these issues. And during the first wave of the pandemic, 
as you can imagine, uh, we went, went home, all of us, in March 13th. So I, I stayed home for, I don't know, maybe two or three months with my husband, no maid, so we don't have any help at home, with my husband and my two daughters. One is 17 and the other 13, and they were, they were uh, having house, uh, house schooling, right? My husband was working from home and I was working from home, okay? And I, I got to the conclusion, although uh, in some aspects, uh, uh, for instance, I, I, I generally don't cook, but um, in some aspects, um, there could be some. But in general, I was, I, I came from um, the person that was traveling, you know, every week and a partner of PwC and doing my thing, clients, da, 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 to mother, wife. And it was really difficult for me. I can tell you, it was really different, difficult for me to actually, um, you know, put together all of this. It was really hard to work because uh, any, uh, we don't know where the key is. We don't have the, the cookies that we like. We don't have nothing to drink. I don't know what to, whatever. Whatever topic would come, I was the person that everyone would be asking anything, even if I was with my most important client in a video conference, okay? And this happened to me. So, uh there is a lot of cultural issues and societal issues that we have to that we have to deal with. For instance, one common thing it did, this one did not happen to me, and I would not allow it. But a lot of the girls that work with us, they generally, when they have the kids, they tend to say, you know, if I'm working late, my mother-in-law or my mother will say, "Oh, poor kids, poor kids. Your kids, they don't have their mother." They are just, you know, just like, it's like an orphanage. So it's not something that uh, people tend to say to, to, to the father. And it is still quite, um, it is still quite, and it is natural. It comes from, again, DNA, things that come from the past. And so there is um, in the un unconscious, again, in the unconscious of many, many people, men and mother-in-laws, there is uh, still a lot of, uh, of issues around the fact that the mother is really, really, absolutely indispensable. That the wife is really, really, absolutely indispensable. So, and it, this makes this makes life um, this makes life uh, career very difficult for women. Much, much, much more difficult than for men. So, the other way that men can help is, you know, our husbands our uh, boyfriends, our friends, they need to help also from a more societal and more individual uh, point of view. If, if we do work, if two persons work outside home, if they too have a career, you know, there needs to be a share. You know, what you need to do at home with the kids, with the house, whatever, needs to be shared. And not necessarily 50-50. I'm not into that, okay? It's just in a manner that uh, works for, for the two people involved, but of course, in, uh, in a manner that allows uh, both people to, you know, to get to their full potential. That's, that's absolutely, absolutely, um, you know, something that you need to have. And I would guess that is something that will save many, many marriages, <laughs> I would say. Yes, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I can perfectly picture what you are describing and obviously that's a problem but I think that if men are not used to it we have to try to include them more and make them understand that they should help. Uh, given all the topics that we discussed leadership is very important in order to improve the situation uh, and companies need to act swiftly and thoroughly to change something that is so grounded in our culture so I would like to ask you what actions did PwC take and okay. what were the yeah. results the COVID, of those measures? COVID um, has impacted uh, everyone. So uh, men, women, everyone. The children also, so everyone. Uh, within, within PwC, so we, we, have, um, uh, we have already uh, worked around diversity for many, many years now. And when we get to COVID, fortunately, fortunately, we... We don't have, how can I say, for instance, some of the problems we, we were talking about, about not recruiting women or letting women go or something like that, uh, we actually 
and fortunately we don't have that kind of issues so generally we do recruit um, well actually normally we recruit more women than men because uh, we have uh, thousands of uh, of people that we that we uh, look at the curriculums every year and there are more more women than men okay for instance in tax uh, we struggle to to recruit men <laughs> it's a struggle so um, it's um, it, it's something that these kind of problems we don't have but you know we tried to during covid we did a very a very um, well thought i think it was not my my doing so i can say that a well thought um, program to try to help people just living better through it okay so we tried to we, we did a lot of uh, small surveys trying to understand things like do you have the conditions at home to work okay and the conditions were the questions were around a lot of things um, and including also for instance you can imagine a place if you have a table if you have a proper chair if you ever so we tried to understand things from do you have do you feel that you can work uh, at home from this type of conditions point of view until uh, to up to asking people if our how were they feeling from a, a mental health perspective working at home okay so there was and there still is actually uh, it will continue as the pandemic also will continue so there is uh, uh, in a, a, not every exactly every week but almost there is some initiatives with very different partners from outside pwc with some people within pwc that are giving um, some seminars even podcasts, uh, we have this, um, this, also these surveys that I mentioned in order to try to understand what are your issues while you are working at home. And this is something that we are doing for everyone in the firm, okay? Everyone in the firm. But when we are doing these surveys uh, and uh, when we are looking at the data that is coming from the surveys, I have to tell you that even within PwC, and although we have, you know, we are talking about educated, well, people with a high level of education, etc., we can still feel that women are in their families. They are taking a higher share of um, of the impact of the COVID than they than they well than than men. Okay. So, uh, and this is, I have discussed a lot with other organizations uh, to understand what they were doing. It's a good thing about this pandemic issue. We are talking about everything uh, in detail about our own organizations. Maybe before, um, nobody wanted to talk. It was kind of a secret, but now we are sharing what we are doing in order to see if we can help, if there is a good idea that we did not, we did not think of. So it's, that's great. And so when I'm looking at our own data and other companies' data, you find that, for instance, um, everyone had some women that said, I will need to take a leave, okay? It's impossible for me to, I'm getting crazy. I cannot work and, um, you know, and taking care of the house, taking care of the kids. I have small kids, they are at school, at home school. And uh, this, is was, this is was mostly during the time that we were closed at home uh, so and the kids also so so i, I cannot do it all um, we we didn't have any men saying this okay so um, you, you you could you could see for instance uh, things like supporting the kids when they were small doing um, doing the doing their work and also seeing situations in which uh, someone had to take care of the kids uh, and well, it was always, always the feminine side of, of the couple. And uh, I imagine that in PwC, we had some cases like this, I guess that in a different industry uh, with, a, I, with a different um, type of, of, uh, of stuff, I guess that this percentage should be really, really higher. As I told you, even I, even I felt that I was um, being in charge of a, a bigger piece, of a bigger piece of the of what uh, had to be done here at home. So it's um, I think you in COVID uh, within COVID uh, you still feel 
uh, that women are, are taking a, well, a, a bigger impact. Uh, outside PwC and in Portugal in general, I guess that you may have read something about it, um, the, the COVID the pandemic is actually impacting more women than men in terms of unemployment. So it's a very sad situation. I think we will go back in many different ways. We will go back in terms of gender diversity some years because of this situation. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it was like 110 years. Maybe now it's 130. I think we can live with that eventually. <laughs> Whoa, that's horrible what you just described. Uh, but let's hope that some of this will all end. And it's really good to hear about what PwC did, caring about the emotions of people. I believe that's crucial. And some companies sometimes forget that that is also important. Uh, so we are reaching the end of today's episode. Before we say goodbye to you, we have one last question. What are your plans for the future? Uh, like anyone's well, future initiatives yes, yes, you are planning um, on organizing at PwC? I, I already mentioned, but I, I can detail a, a, a bit, a, a, a better. A better. Um, what, what I, in terms of short-term uh, plans, and it was an initiative that uh, started yesterday, actually, it was the launch of the program. We are launching uh, a program uh, within a pro, well, we have, we have um, a bigger program, which is called Be Well, Work Well. And this program take, uh, takes care of physical, yeah. emotional, mental, and spiritual um, uh, well care, well, welfare of our people. So we try to work on all of these aspects, physical in the sense that we, we, well, we want our people to go to gym, so we pay gym. So we want, uh, we want, we promote, uh, you know, some, some, uh, um, some events, some um, sport events. So we try to do this on, on the emotional side. There are a lot of things that we also do on the spiritual side. We have a lot of things to do, but because we are working on the third, on the third point of, of, of the program, which is mental. And so yesterday we launched a program called Mind at Work. Uh, it was not my idea, but I really loved, loved the, um, the, the, the name. And it will be a series of webinars done by a very, very knowledgeable um, institution that are all about mental health, okay? So uh, we started yesterday um, and we will cover uh, things like uh, stress and stress in a positive way and stress in a negative way, how it can lead to burnout, um, anxiety, panic attacks, uh, internal resources, uh, what kind of uh, signs you can find and look for in yourself to see if uh, things are working normally in terms of mental health or if there's something wrong with you, with your colleagues, with your family, with your kids. So it's quite interesting. It will take one year. It is a one-year program. Uh, and we will be focusing on the mental uh, welfare of our, of our people. So this is a um, short term plans, okay? And then we will go on the spiritual uh, quest. But um, one bigger, one bigger um, plan that I always have on my diversity lead um, is that I, I, I want actually to make sure that um, uh, we get in PwC to a true diversity, to a true diversity culture. Uh, we have worked on gender, we have worked on race, uh, we, you know, sexual orientation. Uh, we, 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 we can't. We need to still work on all of them, but there is something that I really uh, want to work on in a more deeper way, which has to do with, you know, not just focusing on very specific issues, but focusing about humanity, humanity as a whole. So, and this is what I, this is what I see when I speak about neurodiversity. So, getting to really specifically to the point when I really want inside your organization people that are different. The way they think, they, they are different because they are actually, uh, their brains are constructed in a different way. Their neural connections are different. And uh, I was talking before uh, in a very simple example, which is introverts and extroverts, okay? You can imagine that when we are talking about the consultancy firm, most of us are extroverts, right? I'm not, 
but uh, uh, I learned to be, but, uh, but most of us actually were born extroverts and an introvert person uh, has, uh, well, it's quite a struggle that you, in some, in some industries that you can, uh, you know, progress because um, it's, it's, it's hard. Sometimes the person that does more noise, uh, you know, is the person that prevails. But I really want to make sure that we capture, that we capture all, all the skills all, all the, the different approaches, all the different uh, ways of thinking of everyone. So um, neurodiversity is something that I, I want to work on. Uh, it's, a, it's not a short-term uh, plan. It's a long, medium long-term plan, but I want to do that too. Okay. Now that I heard all these plans, I want to work at the PwC for sure. <laughs> so moving on from this topic, uh, we would like to finish with our ritual. So you answered the question from our previous guests uh, in the beginning of the podcast. So now we want to ask you to make a question for our next guest uh, that can be anything related to equality, diversity and inclusion. Okay. So, so you like to hear another expert take the next, your next person that will be doing the podcast. And I was thinking that, you know, we were talking about um, COVID affecting diversity. And actually, besides that, besides the pandemic, there are a number of global trends and phenomena that I think that are and will still continue to affect diversity. So I wanted to ask that, for instance, if, if um, Professor Nunmore de Cruz understands that uh, the, the movement that we are seeing now for globalization to a more local uh, approach in terms of economy, in terms of geopolitics, etc., if he thinks or how he thinks it may affect diversity. Okay, thank you. That sounds interesting. I'm curious to see what he will answer. So thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure having you here with us today discussing equality and how to cope with it in the times we are living in. It, it was really good to have you here and I loved our conversation. Uh, so thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you're enjoying our content. We'd love to hear your feedback. What would you like us to add, to change or to continue? And if you have specific topics or questions in mind you'd like to know more about, we're happy to include this in the next episodes. You'll find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. And any input is highly appreciated. You'll hear from us on our next episode on the 4th of December, two weeks from now, with Nun Pereira de Cruz from the Center for Responsible Business and Leadership. Uh, and the topic will be Purpose Driven Businesses. Until then, stay safe and healthy.